0: in case we haven't met i'm dino colombo i represent people hurt by a truck it's what we do every day navigating the law can be tough but we're tougher let us handle the fight hurt by a truck call colombo law
1: welcome back or good morning good afternoon i'm in southern california i am jim rome great to have you here obviously breaking news this morning the chargers get hammered last night it was humiliating, was unwatchable, and ultimately it cost the head coach and the GM both their jobs. Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco, out on the street. They're cleaning house, and now they got to make their next move. And we've been talking about that. Let me put that aside for one minute, as promised. And I'm fired up for this. We are joined right now by a legendary professional gambler. His autobiography is tremendous. Gambler: Secrets from a Life of Risk. It is unbelievable as a read. It is available right now. My guest. Once described by ESPN as, quote, the greatest and most controversial sports gambler ever. I'm going to say they got that half right. Also, he claims an unmatched betting winning streak of 36 consecutive years. I also believe that. We are joined right now by Billy Walters. Billy, it's great to have you on the show. How are you?
0: I'm fine, Jim. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And First things first, happy holidays.
1: Happy holidays, Billy. It's great to hear your voice, and it's great to have you on the show. And listen, I knew that when you crushed it on my podcast, I had to get you on The Daily Show as well. I want to talk to you about your book and a number of things, but just one topical thing. Bill. you understand trends as well as anybody. Can you explain to me, and I understand it's matchups, I understand it's defenses, but can you explain how a team can score no points four days earlier and then come out in an NFL game and drop 42 on the opposition in the first half less than a week later? in the same stadium?
0: Well, Jim, this is a situation. You can't go to a slide rule for this. You know, the team they scored to the 42 on it completely given up. Uh, and, you know, team morale, uh, that's one of the things that you're not going to be able to find in any kind of algorithm or slide rule. When You know, when a team gives up, uh, it uh, all, all that stuff goes out the window, so... That would be my only explanation. The team had completely given up. I think, I think Dean Spanos finally saw what everybody else had seen for a period of time and realized that, and today, you know, he finally cleaned house. But the team had completely given up. I mean, that, that, that's exactly what had happened. Nothing more, nothing less.
1: Billy Walter is joining us. There is no algorithm for a team that gives up. Listen, as I mentioned, I thought you did so well on the podcast when we talked about your book, which dropped, and I wanted to bring you back on. In fact, Billy, about the book – Everybody I know that likes this space that has read the book, loved the book, myself included. What kind of feedback have you received for your book?
0: It's been extremely positive, Jim, and uh, the you know everyone kind of expected it was going to be a story about you know gambling and sports betting and you know how I did what I what I did and what I do, and and that is a large part of it. But what well, we've got a response back from you know another audience outside of gambling. You know the human interest side of it, uh, and especially you know, a, a, a lot of women have really enjoyed the book also. So it, it's had a, you know, a broad appeal. Uh, Canada, uh, England, uh, Ireland, uh, not not only in the U.S. It's it's been well received and. I'm, uh, I'm very thankful and very proud of that.
1: We're talking to Billy Walters. Billy, I'm going to ask you about the gambling aspect in a minute, but let me follow up on what you just said. The female reaction. What has the female reaction been like? What have you heard from female readers?
0: Well, what I've heard from Simon Schuster, our publisher, is uh, the, the, the female readers have really gravitated to it because of the human interest side of the book. I've been married for 47 years to just an incredible uh, wife, Uh, life partner. You know, I went to federal prison. Uh, You know, the struggles we, you know, that we both went through with with that. And and then, of course, you know, my early childhood and early adulthood, there were a lot of things there. Uh, As you know, Jim, you read the book. It's not a vanity book. I, I wrote the book for a number of reasons. I wrote the book to to help people, uh, because as a as a young person, I went through a lot of difficulties in life myself with addiction, with you know, I had issues with alcohol, with gambling. I, I was addicted to, to gambling at one time, and uh, the uh, so I went through a lot of things, you know, uh, and I shared every one of those things in the book for that reason, and then. And then I decided to put everything that I knew in the book about sports betting, and the things that I put in a book about sports betting. Believe it or not, it also appealed to a lot of females because you got a lot of you got a women, a lot of females out there who bet on sports, and but 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 you have a lot of, a lot, a lot of them out there that primarily are watching sporting events with their husbands, and it gives them it has given them a lot more of an insight about some of the things that go into the outcome of sporting events. Uh, Weather, travel, a, a lot of things that you know that they hadn't previously considered. So now, you know they've read this, they they have this information, they feel like they understand the game a lot better, and and it gives them some insight as to you know what why these games why there's certain outcomes to certain games. So that's generally what the publishers have came back with. But it's, it's been it's been it's been it's been appealing more more so appealing to we'll say, to to females and, and what they'd originally thought when we published the book.
1: I like it. We're talking to Billy Walters. So, Billy, with the proliferation of gambling and legalization, you've got a lot more people doing it now than maybe did not do it before. In the book, you offer what you describe as a master's class and an advanced master's class in sports betting. Why don't we just take a moment or two and talk about some of the fundamentals? What are common mistakes that bettors make in the areas of, say, money management? And discipline?
0: Well, as I wrote in the book, Jim, you know, those are all things that I failed at myself as a young sports better. And when I saw the majority of the states uh, now have legalized gambling and I, I saw all these millions of new sports betters that were getting involved, I thought to myself, well, you know, they're going to be susceptible to the same things that I experienced. And <coughs> bottom line is, you know, you, you have to have a money management system and. And, and and in order to have any kind of chance of winning betting sports, the reason I put the basic strategy in there is you have mul- you, you you have to have multiple places to be able to 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 bet because in order to to bet and have any kind of chance, you you have to get the best prices, and then you have to have a strategy about when to bet. Okay, if you've got a certain team you're going to bet on, you know why should I bet on this game on this team earlier? Why should I wait to bet on them late? Well. I put all of that information in there, too. It's it's sort of the basic strategy. and Once you read that, anyone can follow that and understand it, and it'll give you a really good insight into into when to make your bets. And then the other thing that I put in there is, okay, the the fair price is, if you're going to buy half a point, this is what you can pay. If it's more than that, don't buy it. Keep the point you have. I've also put in there, you know, money line comparisons to point spreads. Sometimes you're better off playing a money line than you are a point spread, but... You know, up until we wrote the book, and until you know, I put that, you know, people really didn't have an idea how how to compare those things. So there's basic tools in there now for you to be able to look at and decide. Okay, maybe well, this game here I want to bet on it early, and then, and, but more importantly, this is why you want to bet on it earlier. This is why you want to wait and bet on a game late, and and then you need multiple places because. <clears throat> You know, there, there's, a, there's a company called Spank Odds, and, and they have real-time line information from basically every sports book in the United States and around the world. And what, you, what you'll see at any given time, Jim, on any game, you're going to see probably five different lines, uh, at least five different lines on any game. I mean, and, it, and throughout any kind of period of time, it makes an enormous difference in regards to whether you win or lose. As far as a betting strategy is concerned, you know, you've got, it's, it's like any kind of a business plan or game plan, so to speak, Jim. You know, on Sunday, when you get around, if you decide there's three games that you like and you're going to bet on, don't bet on any more than those three. And, and you, you're going to have bad Sundays. Maybe you lose all three of them. But whatever you do, don't double down on Sunday night and say, I'm going to bet on this game and I'm going to get even. And you've you really got no, no opinion about the game or a Monday night game. So, and the other thing, and the most important thing, that and the thing that concerns me the most about the new betters, <clears throat> people get involved in, in, in betting sports. It's like, it's like a lot of things, and and we all, you know, some people have addictive personalities more so than others, and and uh, betting sports can become highly addictive, and. Uh, the, if you set aside X number of dollars and you say, look, I'm going to bet on sports. This is a recreation to me. It's a lot of fun. I'm probably going to lose my money, but I can afford to lose this. It's great, man. There's nothing better than betting on sports. But if you get involved and you think, well, I'm going to get rich quick here with this, and next thing you know you've lost money that you couldn't really afford to lose, and, and then you double up, you're going to catch up. and you know. And I know how the story goes because I went through it. And you tell yourself, well, as soon as I get even, I'm going to quit. Well, bottom line is you never get even. Or if you do get even, now you're extremely confident that you're going to win and you get yourself even in more trouble. Avoid that. Whatever you do, avoid that at all costs. And bet on sports. Set aside whatever you can afford to, to lose and and go for it and have some fun. But also give yourself a, a fighting chance to win. If you've got one sports book and you're only taking – that as, as your one source to, to make your bets and you're getting one price or if you're betting teasers and parlays at today's prices you have no chance of winning so as long as you understand that and that's fine but if you want to give yourself any chance of all of winning you need multiple sports books you need a service like a spank odds that you can go up and see what the what the prices are so you can compare them get the best prices and then, and then you know, have a money, money, a money management strategy, set aside whatever that amount of money is that you're going to use for sports betting and never risk any more than 3% of it on any one bet.
1: Like I said, an absolute master class. That, that right there was a primer for anybody getting started. Billy Walters just covered about 10 things with that answer right there. Billy, one thing quickly. You mentioned parlays. I'm curious, where do you come out on the risk versus the reward of getting down on a parlay?
0: Well, Jim, <laughs> years ago what had happened, the, the odds on parlays were a lot better and the odds on teasers were a lot better because there was a lot more competition uh, for your business. Today, essentially, what's happened is we've almost created a monopoly. You've got about four, five, six companies that control all the sports betting. You've got all these new sports betters who really don't know what the fair odds are. So these companies, what they've done, they've really increased the, the prices on parlays and teasers people as a rule are under the impression that all your sports bets, you're laying 11 to win 10, a dollar 10 to win a dollar. Well, what they don't realize is with parlays and teasers of the way they are today and the prices that the these sports books are charging and in many and most cases on two team parlays you're laying a dollar 30 to a dollar. You're not laying a dollar 10 to a dollar, you're laying a dollar 30. In some cases as much as a dollar 35. You have no chance to win. I mean, at eleven to ten, you've got to win 52.38% of your bets to break even. At a dollar thirty, I mean, like I say, you've got no chance to win. I mean, it's. I understand people who bet parlays and teasers. I mean, especially parlays. I mean, if you bet a small amount of money and you get a larger return. That's fun for anyone. But at the end of the day. <coughs> If you don't understand what the fair prices are and you don't shop around and get the fair prices, uh, you know, betting parlays and teasers, you literally have no chance.
1: So, Billy, very clearly, I mean, it it may be fun. You may enjoy it, but you have always treated this as a business, the business that it is. For those who don't know, back in the day, you were credited with revolutionizing sports betting strategy by embracing algorithms. We talked about that. Data analysis as well. That became all part of known or part of something known as the computer group. I'm not sure you'll tell me everything about this, but I'm curious, how big was that operation and what were the various roles that people had within the operation?
0: Well, actually, the brainchild of the computer group was a guy named Michael Kent, and uh, Mike was from Pittsburgh. He worked for Westinghouse. Uh, he was actually <clears throat> doing some work uh, with them in the, in the development of a nuclear submarine. So that gives you an idea of how smart, how bright he really was. Mike Mike wrote the first computer software program to handicap sports with. Uh, I was handicapping sports at the time, but like everybody else, I had a pencil and piece of paper. But uh, <clears throat> I knew a lot about Sports betting, uh, betting strategy—the things that you and I've just gone over—you know—that's something that I'm really, really good at. And so, I got involved with him in and a group of people in the late '70s. By the mid '80s, everyone of everyone in the group was gone except he and I. And we continued to have a we continued our partnership until the early 2000s. <clears throat> During that period of time, I hired another six Michael Kent, so to speak. Of you know, like backgrounds, and uh, <clears throat> you know, so I got seven different pieces of independent I- information and compared those things together, and that's kind of how I did what I did. But the computer group was the first of its kind. Michael Kent was a brainchild. Everyone else was there, but basically, just just to support him. You know, they did. Uh, you know, they did the betting. They they moved the money, uh, but Michael was the. Uh, he was a sole handicapper. Uh, He was the guy that put the entire software program together, and uh, everyone else was kind of there in a support role. I basically, you know, did, initially I was assisting some guys in New York, but shortly thereafter, uh, I ended up basically making all the bets, decided when to make the bets, how much to bet, where to make the bets. Uh, I, I ran that entire side of it, and then over the period of years, uh, Mike become one of my best friends and as I said I realized in the mid-80s Jim that even though he had a significant advantage uh, it was eroding daily and eventually it was going to go away so that's when I started hiring other Mike Kent types and none, none of those guys knew each other the only person he knew was me and and the only person he communicated with was me so all the information i got was independent information but i had seven different pieces of in- independent information from some extremely smart people and uh, so i took i took a consensus of that and then i decided what i was going to do based upon that And that's that's what i continue to do today
1: okay i was going to say billy before you go i was going to say are you still running something like that today <laughs> you know today's iteration thereof do you still have an operation are you still running something similar to that
0: i am jim when i got out of prison in 2020 it took me a year i had to go back and get everything updated but uh, uh i still do college football i do pro football and uh but but jim i spend you know now i'm spending probably a million million and a half dollars a year in r&d but i still have a couple guys that uh that i've had one guy graduated number one in his class at caltech he's been with me for 30 years another guy was a uh, was a chair of an economics department in a major university. He's been with me for 30 years. So, our, you know, my team is basically intact. Uh, and, but, but again, all I'm doing is college football and pro football. And I'm primarily doing it because, look, I love sports. Uh, I, I, you know, I still beat it. If I didn't beat it, I would quit. Uh, but I don't do it to earn a, earn a living anymore, although I do fine with it. Don't misunderstand me. But uh, but yeah, and I'll do sports, Jim, as long as I'm alive. I love sports. I I, I mean, I have as much passion for, for for sports and sports betting as I did when I began.
1: Yeah, Billy, leave me with this thought. You did not have to write that book, and a number of years back, you certainly would not have written that book, and the book did sensationally well. But as you point out, it's not just the gambling aspect or the betting aspect, but it's the story. It's the story of your life. I don't think you could get your entire life into a single volume. Have you started to write the sequel yet?
0: <laughs> no, actually, I actually haven't, Jim. I worked three years on writing that book, and I got to tell you, it was uh, it was very fulfilling, but i tell you, a lot, a lot of work, and, uh, are there some others that are working on, you know, talking about other aspects of my life, and, and maybe expanding the book a little bit, a little bit outside of the book, but I haven't thought about writing a sequel, but, uh, but, anyway, the, uh... Maybe that's something I should
1: think about. I got you. Think about that or the subsequent documentary or movie or show or anything else that may already be in the works. The book, if you've not read the book, is a great, great read. A lot more where that came from. Gambler, Secrets from a Life of Risk. It is an incredible read. It's available right now. Billy, I knew we had to come together again. Great to have you on the show. Appreciate you and the insight. And always good to talk to you, Billy. Thanks so much.
0: Jim, thanks for having me. And again, happy holidays to you.
1: Happy holidays, Billy. Great talking to you. Merry Christmas, Billy Walters. I think you need to understand (laughs) who that is. That is the greatest gambler ever, a legendary gambler and fascinating. You know, if you're about that life, everybody I know that likes that space, that's interested in that space, thinks that that book is like the greatest book. And when you listen to him, you understand why that's fascinating. Now, if you don't like gambling or betting, you might be less interested. But to his point, His life is fascinating. It's not just about the gambling. It's not just about the algorithms. His life, you know, he grew up, we didn't get into this. I spent a lot more time on this when I had more runway on the podcast, but he grew up in rural Kentucky and he talks about how he got into gambling. He talks about his first bet. He talks about how he used to hustle at pool halls back in the day and how he got into this life. He just said this on this show, you know, he spent time in federal prison He dealt with addiction, a gambling addiction. But I thought it was absolutely fascinating the way he laid out how he built that operation, who was a part of the operation, and the fact that he's still running an operation. All right, your reaction to that? Billy Walters joining us on the program. I know the head will have a reaction to that. He loves him. Porter Mosier is going to join me at 11.20. And the big head at 11 o'clock straight up. Again, the big story. And how about Billy? Billy... I knew going in, Billy was not going to come on the show to, quote, pick games. He's not doing that for us. But I knew that he could speak to trends. And when I said, how do you explain what happened last night? How do you explain a team that scored zero points in one of the worst games ever, coming out and scoring 42 in the first half four days later? He said, I can explain that. (laughs) The other team gave up. (laughs) And he said the Spanos family, or Dean Spanos, finally came around to seeing what we've all been watching and made that move. It's a fascinating, fascinating man, Billy Walters. All right, I'll take your thoughts. I would really like your reaction to that. I mean, obviously, the big head and I just have fun with it, and money is money, and we don't take that lightly, but we have fun with it. That right there is a different animal altogether. Gas, groceries, utilities, you name it. The price of everything is going up. And if you're stuck in a bad timeshare with rising maintenance fees, the financial burden can be crushing. It is time to get your finances in order and get the real facts about that timeshare that you're stuck in and your options for getting rid of it. Chuck McDowell, the founder of Wesley Financial Group, has been helping families out of horrible timeshares for over 10 years. He's put together a complete timeshare exit information kit that he will send you absolutely free. To date, over 30,000 families have trusted Wesley Financial Group to help them out of financial hardship by getting them out of these bad timeshares. They may be able to help you as well. To get the facts about how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation, simply call Wesley right now for your free timeshare exit kit. See how you can become timeshare free. Phone number is 800-462-3333, 800-462-3333, 800-462-3333. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. So here's the thing. Those who get it know how brilliant he is, Billy Walters. Those who get it absolutely love that conversation. Those of you who don't get it or aren't interested are doing exactly what I thought you would do with that conversation. It's all good. It's fine fascinating guy. You have no idea how much money he has made, how much he's lost and how much he's made. And he's made more than he's lost. When he says, I've never had a losing year. I believe that 36 consecutive years. This guy says, love Billy Walters. Would love to have heard his opinion on the AI algorithm versus the old school line setup and wondering if he handicaps horses, Josh D. See, that that's somebody who gets it. Like I said, those who know, know. This guy, Josh Dean, knows. I wanted to ask him, and I ran out of time. But he said, I spend most of my time on the NFL and college football. But as I mentioned, and believe me, I wanted to ask him because it's kind of even hard for me to get my head around now as I look back on it. But it's hard for me to fathom how much money I have made and lost in horse racing. Honestly, as I look back now, I'm in a different part of my life. It's almost impossible for me to get my head around how much money I made and lost in horse racing. We lost so much money, so much money, until we made a lot of money because we found a couple of big-time horses, and that's all it took. But everybody in the world is looking for the two big-time horses or even just one. I've always said this. Somebody told me this early on when I got into thoroughbred racing. All you need is one To pay for all the rest and it's a numbers game. And it's true. We had so many horses. I think when I was at my highest exposure, we Janet and I owned parts of or all of I mean dozens of race horses. Literally dozens. Probably three dozen or more. And most of them were losing money until Ms. Direction. And then Ms. Direction paid for all the rest. And then shared belief really paid for all the rest. But there were so many years where we lost money. I wanted to say to Billy, I was going to ask him because he grew up in rural Kentucky. I'm curious how he feels about the ponies. I don't even know the answer to that. Hey, Tan Man, great interview with Billy Walters. A lot of great information. I also enjoy the impersonation of Raider Mike with all the throat clearing that he was doing. Signed, Mario and SF. Where I'll be adding Billy to the throat clearing holiday song. Hey, Mario, War Alvi eliminating you from the program. Come on, Frisco, do better. Hey, Jim, should have set a line on the throat clears in this Billy interview. Good one, Wesley. Not at all predictable. So, one more thing about Billy. Obviously, played through the throat clears, played through it, did a great interview, a long form daily interview. One more thing about Billy. He called 10 minutes before the interview. Tommy says, Billy, you're early. Do you want us to call you back? He said, no, I know. I know. I just want to make sure the line is clear. I sound right and we're good to go. In other words, meticulous as bleep. So, those of you who don't really understand it, or not trying to understand it, are doing with it what I knew you would do with it, but neither Billy nor I care. And especially those who know, don't care. My man was doing an interview. All right, so, believe me, I know. I make a living with my voice. I know how hard it can be. If anybody can empathize and sympathize with that, it's me. If anybody can empathize or sympathize or not, it's you, clones. D357, quote, great interview with Mr. Walters. I heard the podcast also. I ordered his book for myself and books for my gambling friends. That's what I'm I'm saying. That's the right answer. That is the right answer. If you like gambling, you get that book. If you like an unbelievable life story, you get that book. The reason I did not ask him about Hefty is because we covered that in full on the podcast. Hefty. But his answer to the questions about Hefty were intense on the podcast. I'm not playing it here. Go find the podcast. Really good stuff. Mike Deschler, Jim, excellent interview with Billy Bob Thornton. Good one, Mike. And Moda, Rome. That was some great gambling insight from Kenny Rogers. He truly does know when to hold him, when to fold him, when to walk away, and when to run. Good one, Frank. Anyway, I, I have a much greater appreciation and fascination for this man than, than obviously you do. Could the fruit be hanging any lower for some of you morons? And by lower, I mean on the ground and rotting where it's been there for months. Did you pick up that apple that's brown and gnarly, that fell off the lowest branch already and has been there for four months with ants and worms eating it and eat it yourself. That's what you do The show sometimes. All right, then back to the other topic. The Chargers need a head coach. The Chargers need a GM. What should they do? Hey, Jim, 80% of L.A., is self-centered rich people who dress like they're homeless most days. Hoodie will fit right in. And the other 20% are bums and clones. Son, Brett and Bugahaw wore Staley using Cheez-Its as subway tile backsplash. Damn, what does of that even mean, Brett? Bugahaw Bugahaw's got to be some hell of a place, dude, for you to take a run at SoCal like that. Vine Snagger. The only one hugging Snitch Bras' fat ass is someone with a wingspan of 12 feet. Also, if Belichit goes to the Chargers, him and Snitch can compare their disgusting moves. Sign Jimmy and Sack. Bruh. Unwar practitioners of ratfinkism. What do you think about Jose Canseco ratting out other guys?
0: Well, he's a practitioner of ratfinkism, so it's sensationalism, and people like to get sensational news, but I support Larry Barnes.
1: That was Don King back in the day. Supporting Larry Bonds and saying that Jose Canseco and those like him are practitioners of Ratfinkism. This guy also ward Whitey's dad, Butterman, and Giles. He's just flexing. Perform like noel Albino That's how Freddy ever has. Hey, Rome Slice. And I'd send Chalk a holiday card, but it requires a wet signature, a notary, a urine sample, and three forms of identification. Happy holidays, Geoff and Lincoln. Unwarn me having to click in accept terms and conditions contract when firing off my holiday card email. You know what, Geoff, for you, that's pretty funny. Except nobody wants to see you or your family, so don't worry about it. I can save you your time. You're not getting on the air. Nor is anybody you're related to. Typical clone reaction. Two instructions were too, too many. Sorry to make it so hard for you clones. I've never seen a bigger shortcut group in my life. The path of least resistance, the clones. Shortcut nation, the clones. All right, this guy I got to hear. I did not expect this guy to respond well to that conversation. Jimmers, what a compelling guy Billy Walters is. I am not at all into gambling. I'll admit I was not amped he was coming on, but I gave him a chance. I was so impressed. I might even read his book. It sounds amazing. Thanks, Brad in the 360 Cycling Degenerate. Dude, to be fair... I feel that way about you every single day on this show. I was not that amped about you coming on, Brad. Listen to Brad. Listen to Brad. How, how momentous of you, Brad, to maybe buy his book. How big of you, Brad, to give him a chance. That's what I'm saying, clones. Open your damn minds. You might find something that you think that you hate that you actually love. Arrogant much? I was not amped that he was coming on. Right, Brad? Because everybody in the jungle is waiting for you to show up every single day and share whatever it is you have to say about anything at all. You cycling degenerate. That's rich. Oh, oh, Brad was not amped. Brad was not sure about that one. Brad didn't know what to make of that going in. Oh, okay, Brad. Brad, I'm so pleased that that worked out well for you. And one more. Jan Humboldt. Is my cannabis field in the backdrop of my Christmas card okay? Grandpa did call them Christmas trees growing up. I'll check that with Chalk. He's the gatekeeper. Chalk says it's okay with him. I don't know about New York City, but it's okay with Chalk. You got through the first layer. All right, when we come back. James Kelly, I know he was fired up on that interview. Hey, Head, you get to be on the show picking games the same day your idol was on the show talking gambling philosophy and life. Porter Mosier is going to join us at 11.20. And I do want to talk about the Chargers. Who do you think is the best fit? In case you missed it. After last night's game, they made their move this morning. They fired their head coach, Brandon Staley. They fired the GM, Tom Telesco. Now what? I do want to talk about the Steelers. It's getting worse, not better. If you're looking for them to circle the wagons and maybe be galvanized by this whole thing, it's not happening. It's not working. I'll get to that a little bit later on, too. But first, here's the... From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Clones, not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper is original, old fashioned. Teriyaki, hot and spicy, and pepper all come in four ounce bags. So you can sample different flavors and find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What is your beef? There are more cards. Obviously, some people can follow directions. Obviously, it's not that hard. There's Cindy's. She's got her own card. She's got her own family. She's got her own theme song. She figured it out. Looking good. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, we are bumping back with holiday cards and Christmas cards. Y'all are looking great. Send them to Rome at Some of you are having a hard time. Stuck nut. Sending a Christmas card to Tom is more difficult than getting razors from CVS behind their plastic fortress. No, it's not. Nothing is more challenging than that. That is the worst. I've had so many bad experiences doing that. Then I ring their little, their little razor doorbell to try to get somebody to come over there and help me. Just a nightmare. And for what? To pay for racers that are so freaking expensive anyway, right? I'm trying to give you my money. Why won't you let me? I know, they're thieves because they're so expensive. Dear Chalk, I think your rules for sending a holiday card are completely reasonable. Regards, the DMV. Katie is in. At Ellis Fan 14 I missed directions... To submit our holiday card. What do I need to do? Thanks. Tommy? Katie needs directions. Run it down one more time because they look great. And I want to see her family and hear from her. Super simple. Just send an email to rome at haveatake.com. Uh, make it airable on television. We'll air it on television. Make sure you sign it with your or have at least your family name on it so we can tell who it is. Uh, And no impersonating anybody else. And if you have a professionally made card, scan that and email it. Don't just take a picture of a professionally made card. Those are your rules. It's got to be TV friendly, right? We want to look good. We do not want to look schlocky. All right, Tommy, thank you very much. Katie, you good? Send it along. I would love to see it. Anybody else? Any other questions?
0: Love to see it.
1: We've got an ATP coming up later on. You can ask your questions there, too. I don't have time here, but I do want to get into it. I want to talk about you, Michigan man. Nick Saban went Michigan man on the Michigan man, and it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things. So, and and, and Michigan man, I know you. I know the way you think. I know the way you act. I know how butthurt you get. No, this is not... Sabin doing what you did. Hey Rome. Hey Rome, why are you coming for us? Look what Sabin did. Sabin didn't do anything wrong. Saban did nothing wrong. Saban did not cheat. Saban did not get caught cheating. Sabin did this in broad daylight and did nothing wrong. Saban hired a guy that used to work for you, Michigan man. Then that guy was replaced by somebody else. So he left. The guy who replaced him got caught up in that cheating scandal, and then he got dismissed. So this guy was available. And Nick Saban hired him because it's smart. Not because he's greasy, not because he cheats, not because he's a bag, but because he's smart. He hired a guy who was no longer with your program, your own doing. You ran him off. And he was available. And, oh, what do you know? He's playing you. You think that guy might have a little insight. I'm talking about former linebacker coach George Hilo, Hired by Alabama to be on their staff. He had been with Michigan for the 2021-22 seasons. Oh, and what do you know? They're going to face off in the Rose Bowl on January 1st. You know what that is? That's Saban pulling out all the stops. Fighting Michigan man with Michigan man. Literally. Oh, and also legally. Let's be very clear about that. It's not only legal. It's not, don't come at me with, yeah, Rome, but it's bad form. Rome, it's unethical. Rome, it's no different than what we did. Ah, None of that's accurate. You know what that is? That's the dictator making damn sure that he leaves no stone unturned. Is it petty? Sure. Not really. No. Don't do it, Michigan man. Do not come at me again crying about how unfair this is or how it's really Alabama who's the one who's cheating, not you. Or how Alabama is so desperate that they had to go get this grease ball and poach one of your own. That's not what he did. That's not what happened here. It's smart. It's legal, it's within the rules, it's within Saban's right to hire whoever the hell he wants. Why not bring this guy on staff who had been on your staff before you ran him off? Why not? And, And by the way, you don't think that guy might have an axe to grind. You ran him off. And most hilarious of all, you brought in somebody to replace him who was part of the cheating scandal and you had to dismiss him. Hilarious. He didn't poach anybody from your staff. This guy wasn't on your staff. He already left the program. You know, just like Harbaugh is going to leave your program if he does get an NFL offer. Man, you don't think that Hilo can pull back the curtain, provide some valuable insight to Michigan's operation? Saban just went Michigan man on the Michigan man. Hey, maybe Harbaugh's the one seed. Maybe Saban's the four seed. Maybe Saban is on the wrong side of 70. But you know what else? He's on the right side of the chessboard. And while the two of them are not going to line it up and face each other in the semifinal, the players will. I get that. I'm still taking the Alabama man over the Michigan man all day long. And this is another example why. This move to me is hilarious. It's hilarious and it's smart. You see, Michigan man, you don't need an elaborate cheating scheme to get over and succeed in college football. Speak loud that Saban's not the grease ball you're making him out to be, Michigan man. Or he'd try to poach Sharon Moore. Now that would be greasy. All right, when we come back, James Kelly, the big head and I break down five NFL games. Stay tuned.